Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Welcome back. This is Sean Bigley and Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com. And Lindy, tax time is on the horizon. And I don't know if you can hear the uh, excitement in my voice. I use that term loosely, but I think it's a time of the year that we all sort of you know dread to some extent. Not so much because we have anything to hide or we've we've done anything wrong, but just you know the hassle really more than anything. It's it's a hassle to, to file your taxes, and it's it's you know it's a shame in in 2024 that it's still that way. I think there's a lot of folks, myself included, who look at the process and just think, "Gosh, there's got to be a more efficient way to do this." It is what it is, at least for now. With that comes some avoidable security clearance risks. And I don't know about you, Lindy, but this is certainly an area that I learned a lot more than I ever wanted to about as a result of being an investigator and being a security clearance attorney for as long as I was. I'm sure you've encountered it lots on clearancejobs.com with people writing in you know, questions about their tax concerns and how it's going to impact their security clearance. Off the top of your head, I mean, is there any kind of uh, persistent theme that you've seen here with areas of questioning or anything like that comes to mind? Yeah, I love this topic because, well, first, because I haven't had to file my taxes in years because my brother's a CPA. So my first hot tip is just find a relative and just stop thinking about it because he just does it every year for me. But my, my second takeaway is what might surprise folks, or maybe not, is people don't ask about taxes. I feel like if you're the kind of person who forgets to pay your taxes, you're not the kind of person who's proactive enough to ask a site like clearance jobs about paying your taxes. But where I learned a lot about this is in my active perusal as number one fan of the Doha cases is time and time again, I would read those. And we know financial issues far above and beyond top cause of security clearance file and revocation. But what never ceases to amaze, you can have a pretty high volume of consumer debt and if you have taken any, I mean, even baseline attempts to address those prior to applying for a security clearance, especially, or after a denial and revocation, if you've really shown some positive steps, I mean, the government takes that seriously. But if you have failed to file your taxes for several years, the government gets a little pissed about it. They are not pleased. So you got to pay the tax ban. And I think it makes sense to me because you think about it, you're applying for a national security career to work for the government. So if you do not have an understanding that you have to pay taxes every year, I feel like it's just a wise choice by the government to say, sorry, you probably need to work in the private sector. Like it just, but we would see those cases of just people who did not pay their taxes. Oh, I didn't think I owed this year. So I just didn't file. I mean, in just a huge swath of ignorance about the process. And when I found it, it was helpful to, again, looking through the cases, because there were incidents where someone had not filed because of there was an estate dispute, right? They inherited something and then it was going to mess with their taxes. And this is where the paper trail always helps you. So we saw some cases where people had some pretty messy tax situations were able to get out of it. What was really hard to overcome was just the lump who f- just did not file their taxes over multiple years and then shrug their shoulders. And even if they kind of tried to catch up, I think that's something it just it's a red flag for the government to say, hey, if your allegiance to the United States is not enough for you to even like care or pay attention to your taxes, we're really not sure about 
your ability to protect national security information. Yeah. You know, every year I see some story in the news about how many people at the IRS, as a result of some GAO audit or something, have been discovered to have not paid their taxes. And that one has always, you know, just been really astounding to me. And I, every once in a while, I would see this in practice where, you know, somebody would be working at the IRS or they'd be applying to the IRS and they would have, you know, tons of delinquent taxes. And I would just be like, you know, this is going to be a really tough sell. Like, I'll do my best for you. But I, I mean, you know, you, you can't really make the ignorance argument. Just like, you know, people applying to, for example, DEA, you know, with a, a extensive history of drug use are going to struggle. These are like basic suitability issues that arise on a fairly regular basis in the government. But I think your broader point is one worth reiterating, and that is that these cases, in my experience, fall into kind of two broad categories. One being the case of somebody who historically has done everything right, and then some weird, convoluted, complicated mess happens with their taxes where they are dealing with a trust or they're dealing with some obscure you know, sale of some asset or something, and they just run into these complicated tax issues. And that was something that really struck me is just how complicated and how needlessly complicated the tax code can be. I took tax law in law school. It was a required class back then. And everybody just was like, oh my God, get me out of here. This is the most boring topic you could possibly imagine. But it actually wound up serving me very well later in practice because I was able to say, okay, yeah, I know what this is. I have at least enough of a baseline knowledge to say, okay, we're dealing with this issue. Here's you know your starting place and you need to go do X invariably that X was, you need to go talk to an accountant because I I can't help you. This is too complicated. I'm not a tax attorney. The takeaway there for folks should be go talk to an accountant. Don't try to do this on your own. If I, as an attorney, albeit not a tax attorney, but you know, having some background in tax law was looking at some of these things thinking, this is just, I'm, I'm in over my head. I'm not, I don't want to do this. The average layperson who isn't an attorney shouldn't be trying to figure this out and wing it on their own. And 95% of the time in my practice, when I was dealing with clients who had gotten in over their head with taxes, it was precisely because of that issue. If they had just gone and gotten the professional help out of the gates, they wouldn't be where they are now. And you know, the frequent refrain I would hear from people was, well, I didn't want to do it because it would cost too much uh, or I didn't have the time. And I was like, well, okay, but how much is it costing you now? And how much time and stress is it costing you now versus having just done it out of the gate? So that was always a bit of a mystery to me why people didn't just take the, the straight and narrow path. You know, the other broad bucket here was the people who really had no excuse. It was personal income taxes. They were W-2 employees. It's a relatively straightforward you know, process when you're not self-employed, when you're not dealing with these weird, obscure tax code provisions. And there are things like TurboTax where you can go online for, you know, whatever it is, 39 bucks and, and file your taxes. And they would do it for, you know, five, six, seven, eight years in a row. And I was always amazed how many people there are out there like that who aren't really experiencing any ramifications. Like they're just sort of going about their daily life you know, they've got eight years of unfiled taxes. And you're like looking at it going, huh, like, I thought you'd be prosecuted by now. Or I thought that, you know, the IRS would have put a lien on your house. But there's just so many of them that I think that, you know, at some point, it becomes a problem of scale. So, you know, those are the ones that are really the tougher sell from the clearance standpoint, because you get an adjudicator or a judge who looks at this and says, well, I can file my taxes, I managed to do it, I don't like it either, but I did it. 
why couldn't you? And unless you have some offbeat circumstance or some you know mitigating factor, oh, I was ill or I was dealing with a you know loved one who was seriously ill or something that you can use as at least a starting place to kind of explain yourself out of it, it's tough. So I think you know my biggest piece of advice on this to my clients, and, and I think this applies to the general population of security clearance holders as well, is if you've got tax problems in your background, the time to clean them up is not after you've submitted your application or your reapplication. It's like yesterday. I would counsel people on a fairly regular basis saying, hey, I know this job application looks enticing or I know that this job offer sounds great, but you really ought to think twice about pursuing it until you get your taxes cleaned up. Now's not the time to apply for that clearance upgrade. I'm assuming you would tell people the same thing based on what you've seen, but what else, you know, from your perspective has has come up here? And then I want to talk briefly about the three places that, that I've seen this be a particular issue. Yeah. Taxes will catch you. And so my other takeaway is just that people ask a ton over at clearance jobs about outside employment. Hey, can I accept XYZ job or overseas property or things like that? And my first caveat with that is like, make sure you're paying your taxes on it and make sure you're paying employment taxes because I see that come up with outside employment or things like that. It's less the employment issue than it is. The taxes are more likely to cause issues on those other topics too. So I think understanding the scope of how wide the the government's hold on your finances may be behooves you because we'll see financial issues come up in other ways. And it's because people, it's not just your employment taxes, it's business taxes, or again, outside stocks, other things. And those will come up in a security clearance background investigation process. And especially under continuous vetting now, I think there's less opportunities for folks to hide things. I think more things will come up if you're not paying taxes around other things. Let's talk specifically about exactly that issue and some of the you know specific ways that we've seen this come up in surprising contexts, one of which is paying domestic workers, i.e., you know, full-time live-in nanny or something along those lines, under the table. There is such a thing as the nanny tax. It's not a myth. You have to payroll taxes on your household employees, meaning you have to pay their Social Security and Medicare, the employer's portion of it. There are also often state level requirements as well, depending on what state you live in, in terms of filing, registration, workers comp. I used to see probably a few times a year, people who would get themselves into trouble with this issue. Often folks who were at a fairly high level in the government where they were maybe under consideration for some sort of high level appointment, a presidential appointment, or you know an agency head position or something like that, where this would really come back to bite them. There have been a handful of news stories about people. This issue has tanked over the years. One of the biggest ones actually, and this is going way back, was under, I think, President Bush, there was a cabinet secretary, I think it was DHS secretary nominee who was tanked because it came out during the vetting process that he had a nanny that he hadn't paid taxes on and had paid, you know, basically under the table. So it's a real thing. And we used to see it occasionally. The other area was unreported income in weird context. So for example, working under the table, the applicant themselves was working under the table or had been previously. They had a rental property where they weren't paying taxes and reporting the income there. Crypto, that's something we've talked about obviously in the context of crypto itself, but you know, previously there wasn't anywhere explicitly to report that income 
on the tax reporting forms, however it was expected to be reported. And so now there's a little box on the tax return that asks, you know, have you held any digital currencies? And so it's it's kind of flagging it for people. And then lastly, and this is one that always surprised me how prevalent this was, but confusion around this non-existent quote unquote three-year rule, people were under this erroneous impression based on poorly worded language on the IRS website that they had three years to file their tax return. When in reality, the three-year rule is you're required to file on the due date, but if you're owed a refund you and you file late, you have three years to claim it. So just because you file you know, two or three years after the fact doesn't mean that your tax return is on time. If you're owed money as opposed to owing money, often there's not a financial penalty with it. But if you file more than three years after the due date, you lose the refund. And so the distinction there was, I think in some people's eyes, one of semantics, like, well, who cares? Like, you know, I'm giving the government an interest-free loan. They owe me money. So who, who cares if I file my return two years late? From the government's perspective, nah, you still had to file on time. And so it becomes an issue for people. So those are the kind of surprising things that I would see come up on a pretty regular basis. You know, just hopefully a good reminder, file your taxes on time. It's one of the biggest ways that clearance holders get themselves tripped up. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Cleardcast. Hit the subscribe button and share this episode with your friends and colleagues. For more security clearance updates and national security career advice, subscribe to news.clearancejobs.com. If you have an active clearance, refresh your profile and search Clear Careers at clearancejobs.com.